BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Hugh Newman back with us. He was last on the program almost two years ago. He's a world explorer, conference organizer, author, tour host. He is a regular guest on Ancient Aliens, Unexplained, Forbidden History, Ancient Civilizations, and other television shows. He is the author of Gobekli Tepe and Katahan Tepe, The World's First Megaliths, Earth Grids, Stone Circles, and co-author with Jim Vieira of Giants on Record and the Giants of Stonehenge in Ancient Britain. He also contributed to Megalith Studies in Stone, Sensing the Earth, and Geomancy. He lives next to Stonehenge in the United Kingdom. You welcome back. How have you been? I'm, I'm very good, George. How are you? Good. Looking forward to this. How did you get interested in these megaliths? That actually came through uh, crop circles, actually, uh, way, way back, you know, 20, 25 years ago because they kept turning up, and um, it kind of drew me into the megalithic landscape in Wiltshire and Cornwall and other places, and uh, yeah, I became hooked, became a megalithomaniac, and that was that. What did you conclude about crop formations? Those things amaze me. They do, and they keep coming as well. Um, they're still coming. There was plenty this year, like 25 or so this year. Um, but yeah, they're fascinating, and the interesting thing about them is that they're located so close to these stone circles and megaliths and ancient earthworks and long barrows and everything else and they even encode similar geometries and measurements as you get in the stone circles so yeah they're pretty amazing um uh, but you know and they go back as well just like the megaliths do there's a prehistory of them do you think they're et created could well be i mean some of them are, uh, are difficult to explain there's lots of sightings associated with them so um who knows i used to tell researchers that if you had 100 crop formations and 99 of them were made by man there's the one you can't explain that's the story 
Yeah, no, no, you're right, yeah, that's it. I mean, even if a tiny percentage can't be explained, and you still have that today even, it's quite strange. I mean, um, you know, people kind of tend to know who makes certain ones, but actually there's still some of them that are still very much unexplained. You wrote uh, a book called Gobekli Tepe and Katahan Tepe, the world's first megaliths. Let's talk about each site, first of all, where they are and what they are, in your opinion. Go ahead with Gobekli Tepe. Gobekli Tepe has become, you know, one of the main sites in Turkey to visit. This dates back to 11,600 years ago. This is the dating they're getting now. And they found a whole bunch of circular, oval or elliptical shaped um, sort of like stone circles. But the, the you know, the, the pillars are beautifully carved T-shaped pillars. Then you have two giant ones in the middle as well. And much of this is like carved out of limestone, beautiful relief carvings on it. And they've excavated about what, 5 to 10% of the site. So they've got about five or six of these so-called stone circles already excavated. But there's up to about 15 more um, that haven't yet been excavated. This is just one site. And what they found there is, is really quite remarkable. There's, there's new discoveries still being made there. And because the site uh, appeared to have been deliberately covered over, hmm. then, um, it's hard to kind of excavate. You've got to remove all this rubble and stone. But there, there's geometries coming out of them. There's specific measurement systems. There's um, remarkable alignments and very abstract artistic design in 3D relief on these stones. Now, people weren't supposed to be doing this back then. Right. It wasn't supposed right. to be happening until Egypt, like six or 7,000 years later. Um, and so you've got to imagine, you know, we're talking about like 20 stone hinges in one site. Now they think there's at least 12 of these sites in total, possibly even more. Um, and so Gobekli Tepe is really just the tip of the iceberg. Does it look like the stones were moved or carved in place? In at Gobekli Tepe, they've got they found the quarry site nearby, about half a mile away. So they were carving them on the kind of plateau they're on, which is near Shanlurfa in southeast Turkey, um, in the Anti-Taurus Mountains. And so they they know they were relatively local, but they still had to carve them out of solid rock and move them over. Yeah and move them over. Some of them, we're talking like between 5 and 10 tons at least. Um, some of them could be could weigh more. They're, they're now finding bigger and bigger stones like we're seeing at Karahan Tepe, for instance. And, yeah, it does, you know, it just shouldn't have been happening at this time. Even this sophistication isn't really evident in the stone circles of Britain some 7,000 years later. And so, you know, where did that, you know, where did these ideas, this innovation, this style come from? By looking at it, Hugh, what would you say its purpose is? When it comes to Gobekli Tepe, uh, they, I think it's multiple purpose. I think it's, as Klaus Schmidt, who was the original German archaeologist who kind of discovered the site in the mid-90s, he said for a long time these were like temples. And this is now being changed by the new archaeologists that have come in. So unfortunately, Klaus Schmidt died a few years ago. And they're now claiming it's a kind of domestic dwelling uh, where people were starting to live, where hunter-gatherers started to kind of settle and start to grow food and things like this. But to me, when you look at the site, you can see these are highly decorated, ritualistic, almost shamanic sites 
they're not just for people to hang out in or live there. This is something else. So definitely a ceremonial aspect to it. But also, all the symbols seem to point to astronomy and even astrology in some cases. So it could have been an observatory. It could also have been a place where pilgrims would go. It could be a memory space where they're holding all the knowledge of their culture in one place. And I think it was an innovation and teaching center, almost like a uni the first university. So it all, it, all this adds up to something quite remarkable. Are there doorways, Hugh, where people can go into some place? Well, the strange thing about Gabagli Tepe is, is that there's no clear, apart from a couple of the enclosures, there's no clear entrances. They're kind of almost like being blocked up with walls. Yet some people have suggested they may have had roofs. That's one of the theories. So people would have gone through the roofs, through these hold stones that were part of the hmm. constructed roof. But on in, in enclosure D and enclosure C, it does appear to be entrances coming in from the south uh, that, that got changed over time, as though they're kind of um, kind of entering from the south, looking north as they approach the kind of center of these enclosures. So it's, it's, they may have climbed down steps is another option. That's why they can't explain why there's no clear doorways at ground level. But yeah, but certainly there's, um, there's different theories about that for sure. Is the structure hollow or is it solid? Well, most of the what's been excavated at Gebekli Tepe is, um, is uh, located on the bedrock. So the structures are built upon a layer of bedrock and then they kind of place the stones insert them in sockets and things like this and balance them in place somehow um and but some of the structures the later structures they actually cover over the earlier enclosures earlier kind of stone circles and then build upon that so they build upon the mound they covered it up with and so there's lots of rebuilding reconstructing reorienting i think as well when it comes to the astronomy and astrology and so yeah i think there's um quite a lot going on there and these were in use for you know a couple of thousand years before they were kind of covered over and completely forgotten about for about ten thousand years wow that's amazing witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 join us march 20th live from the edge at hudson yards in new york city featuring an unforgettable performance by grammy and academy award-winning singer songwriter and composer john batiste the all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Let's move over to uh, Kedahan Tepe. Where is that? Kedahan Tepe is located 23 miles, or about 37 kilometers southeast of Gebekli Tepe. It's in the Tektek Mountains. This is limestone mountains, but when you drive through there, you really feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. It's like a marsh landscape. And Kedahan Tepe... Um, uh, that's, that's a modern name given to it in 1997 by Bartin Selick, a local archaeologist. It used to be called Ketchley Tepe, K-E-C-E-L-I, and Tepe. And this is still the name of a local area. And um, this is, again, this has only recently been excavated since late 2019. I've been visiting the site along with Andrew Collins and J.J. Ainsworth since 2014, before it was excavated. And all you could see there, which is pretty weird, is just the tops of these T-shaped pillars popping out of the ground because it had been covered over, remember, like all these sites have. And so, and we always wondered what was going to be discovered there, but then when they did start excavating, and what did come out of the ground when it was eventually announced in uh, the 2021 is absolutely mind-blowing. And it really is on par and similar uh, to Gebekli Tepe. And yet, here, they appear to carve directly out of the bedrock in many cases. We have kind of kind of subterranean chambers with pillars, you know, carved directly out of the bedrock. We have protruding heads coming out of walls. And um, and even some of the T-pillars and benches on the western edge of the main enclosure anyway at Carahan Tepe is carved out of bedrock, whereas the rest of the enclosure is freestanding T-pillars. So it's a very sophisticated site. Um, and they're realizing now, especially with new discoveries that have come out, that is much bigger, even bigger than Gebekli Tepe. And this is just one of the other sites. How deep were they uh, covered up? They covered up. I mean, when you were, we were visiting Karan Tepe, you know, since 2014, before it was excavated, it was covered up to the tops of the T-pillars, basically. It, was, it would have been completely covered over. How many feet might that have been? That's, you're, you're probably talking um, between... Seven and twelve feet. Wow, more in some cases because some of these T pillars um, are now we're thinking they could be up to like um, at least maybe fifteen to eighteen feet tall at Carahan Tepe. Jeez, so it could have been even more. They could have had layers on, but over time, you know, thousands of years, it kind of the tops get you know the wind and uh, the weather kind of blows off the top layers. 
so things start to get exposed. And so, yeah, so that Karanatepe is really where it's happening now. This is where all the new discoveries are coming out. And, you know, the, I think one of the most important things there is what's called the Pillar Shrine or structure AB. And this is it's about six by seven meters um, wide, um, so 20-odd feet. You know, it's the shape of a kind of egg. And it's cut down into the ground, directly into the bedrock. But they've left these kind of phallic-shaped monoliths carved out of bedrock um, coming out of the ground, which is utterly unique in the area, and it kind of blew people away when it was first discovered. And um, since then, more discoveries and the importance of that uh, are now coming to light. Hugh, do you think these structures were buried on purpose, or were they buried by weathering? They were buried on purpose, for sure, because you can see... You can see this at you know, most of the sites now that they were uh, repairing the sites, really. They were repairing them because they must have got damaged, and then, then kind of burying them really carefully so all the stones upright in situ. They were placing kind of artifacts, these polished stone plates, for instance, on some of the benches between the T-pillars. Um, so they were definitely covered over. In fact, the archaeologist Neshmi Karal, who's running the excavation at Karahan Tepe and Gebekli Tepe now, he, made, he wrote a paper about this, and you can clearly see that at Gebekli Tepe as well. I mean, it's completely, completely covered up. And just that alone, we're talking thousands of tons of earth and debris and stone being moved into place to kind of um, uh, to do that job. You know, so you've got the construction of it, you use it for a couple of thousand years, you repair it, and then you bury it. So altogether, the amount of work, there must have been hundreds of people involved in this. Why bury it? Was it were they burying it to hide it or for some other reason? That, that's a good question. That's what people are kind of confused about, to be honest with you, um, because they don't really know. I mean, they, they found that some of the site at Karahan Tepe, for instance, had been deliberately damaged. Like kind of smashed up, and then it was buried, you know, and it's like, hang on a sec, mm -hmm. so is this a symbol of them kind of wanting to close down the site, like decommission it somehow? Yeah, something might have happened. Yeah, then they move on to maybe other areas, maybe something was happening, they, they had felt like they had to move from that area. Um, why that is, we don't know, but we know that, you know, there were incoming, you know, different people coming in from different areas, there could have been trouble in the area, it could have been to do with the climate, it could have been to do with trouble growing food, because it's now known that agriculture developed just after the construction of Gebekli Tepe and Karahan Tepe, the whole Neolithic revolution, if you like. Um, and so, yeah, so we have to um, have to consider that as a possibility. Could they have been sacred sites, and for some reason they decided to do away with them? Yeah, I mean, it could have been other people coming in and, like, just wanting to destroy them, you know, things like this. But the fact that, you know, I think they were very much sacred sites. I think they were observatories, they were sacred sites. Um, and maybe they just you know, had used them for what they needed to use them for. And they moved on to other areas and they would build other sites in different places. This could be the case. There's definitely stories of migration, uh, evidence of that now. Um, but the fact that, you know, they were observatories, maybe they... You know, the stars and the planets and the sun and the moon had moved from where they wanted it to be after the, you know, they, so they, they're done with it and they moved on to somewhere else. So that's uh, one of the ideas. Jeez. Were they buried in sand, Hugh, or just dirt? 
Well, it's a bit of both. I think they, they use the local materials like rock, rubble, um, different soils. There's even evidence in the pillar shrine where these kind of 11 pillars sticking up out of the ground with the head sticking out of the wall, um, that they kind of layered it really carefully. And then at the very top, they put kind of flagstones, like large flat stones, to kind of cover it over as like a final layer, if you like, um, and, and kind of preserve what was in there. And they've, they've found possibly stuff, possibly materials from different areas, like people are coming in from different parts of the country even. So, that's, um, so it may have been a very special pilgrimage place when it was in use. In terms of widespreadness, how big would it be if you were looking at it from above? Karantepe stretches at least for a mile, I would say. A couple wow. Of, a couple of kilometers if you stretched it across the landscape. Because you've got, you got stuff going on on different hills. Like to the north, you've got Ketchley Tepe. You've got, um, uh, you've got sites further afield, like seven kilometers away or five or six miles away, like Hubbard, Zuban, Tepeze. And yeah, it's, pr- it's pretty big. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's bigger than you think. It's not just one site you could walk about in. I mean, because the largest enclosure at Karahan Tepe is 23 meters or 75 feet. And that's only the main one that's been uncovered. There's a whole bunch of smaller ones in the general area. Um, but it stretches across the entire hill, across the valley, they're now realizing. And, yeah, it's pretty epic. And I think people are going to realize that Gebekli Tepe is bigger than people realize. That is amazing. The sites are as well. It's, it's pretty amazing. What is the significance, Hugh, of the winter solstice alignment at uh, Ketahan Tepe? Yeah, that's one thing that really stunned myself and J.J. Ainsworth. We... Um, had a fascination with archaeoastronomy for a long time, and a, a series of events led us to um, to be there for the winter solstice in 2021, uh, like December the 20th it was at the time, and we discovered this remarkable alignment. So there's a whole stone, which is like almost carved out of the bedrock, between the main enclosure and the pillar shrine, where all these upright pillars are carved with the bedrock, and this head sticking out, which has got serpent scales and an open mouth on it, which is three times the size of a human head. <clears throat> and what, they, what we found was is that 10 minutes after sunrise, the sun would, light would beam through the hole and l- illuminate the stone head precisely, and it would last and the, the, the kind of, as the sun moves across the sky. The light would come in at a slightly different angle and illuminate more of the stone head, and it would illuminate it for 45 minutes. Wow, that's amazing. So clearly this was designed for this purpose, to mark the winter solstice. It doesn't work at any other time of year. The light only comes through and hits the head at that time of year, the most extreme uh, southerly point of the sun in the year, you know, going up to Christmas almost. And so that really stunned us. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 
2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 